What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Howdy, gang! Welcome. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for your time, your company, uh, for our show today. A quick mention, as always, that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that um, broadcasts from uh, London in the UK and hosts shows from across the whole wide world. We love to celebrate contemporary uh, jazz, soul, funk, uh, hip-hop, um, and uh, broken beat, and a whole variety of wonderful, wonderful uh, contemporary sounds. So we'd love for you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com, uh, where you'll find our radio stream as well as the full backlist um, catalogue of these Blue In Green podcast uh, episodes. I'm super excited about the show today. Uh, we have our, our great friend, our great buddy, uh, Sean Sophia from More Select Music on the episode. And yeah, we, we kind of mentioned this on the episode. I'm just not sure why it's been so long. Sean was something of a frequent uh, guest um, on past episodes. And just I'd love kind of just hanging out and just talking music and just seeing where we're at. And they're really kind of really enjoyable episodes sort of directionless which is the best I think the best part about it Um, it's just us just shooting the breeze about uh, music and goals and stuff like that so I really really uh, enjoyed this episode having the chance to reconnect with Sean we have each promised um, not to leave it so long and I, I, I think he may he may get the call to reappear sooner than he may expect. Uh, there is a 2021 focus on the episode. We kind of run down a few uh, of our favourite releases, um, and uh, we'll also discuss Sean's uh, recent YouTube videos where he kind of posted up his favourite videos. Uh, excuse me, his favourite uh, releases and albums uh, of 2021. There's some great picks there, so we'll be posting the. Um, the links to the full top 10 and the honorable mentions uh, list on uh, this SoundCloud description. So if you can find the SoundCloud description, then you can click and uh, check out the videos. Um, yeah, as I say, it's always great to talk to Sean. There's a really kind of honest, like we kind of the first, you know, huge portion uh, of the episode um, is a really kind of honest kind of, I don't know, uh, recounting kind of of where we're at and the kind of goals that we have for each of our uh, respective brands and it's yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because you you kind of you work away at something and um, it you just want people to hear it uh, read it listen to it appreciate it you know so it's kind of 
we each have that thing about trying to present what we do to an audience. We wanted to find an audience, and I just, I just really liked the first part of the conversation because it's us being quite open about what you know what we're trying to achieve <laughs> and the difficulties in doing so. I don't want to repeat portions of what we actually say, so I'll leave it there. But if you're a budding creative, then I, I think is something you'll get out of the opening part of this conversation. Um, we have uh, regular listeners of the podcast know we feature two songs uh, per episode and um, Sean will be picking the closing number and it's a brilliant one um, he's uh, as a small spoiler he's picked um, something in line with 2021 uh, which has inspired me to do the same so um, I'm going to pick um, a song uh, that I discuss uh, in the the episode, I discussed the whole album. It is by uh, the KBCS, and uh, it's available on the Sona Collective label. Their album came out in 2021. It is entitled Color Box. Uh, again, I discussed this in the episode, but I do cite one song from it. It's up. The album front to back is fantastic. Really, really one of my favorite releases, far and away, uh, of 2021. And I thought it'd be a cool thing to introduce you to said album. So, this is entitled Wasting All Your Loving. It features a guest vocal from uh, singer Bowie. Uh, she does a fantastic job. Everything about it, the song is perfect. Everything about the album is perfect. And I would implore you uh, to explore further. Uh, so, uh, once again, you're listening to Blue in Green podcast. My name is Imran. Please check us out at blueingreenradio.com. And uh, I very, very much hope you guys enjoyed the episode.
it's been a while since we've done this. Yeah, it's so been probably bizarre. over a year now. That's or at least a, at least a year. Yeah, we just do somewhat ooh, somewhat regular as well. We had quite got quite a few under our belt, which is always fun to do. So, well, you've uh, become quite a could... busy man these days, it seems. <laughs> I, I guess we both have. We like yeah. to immerse ourselves in music-related projects, don't we? Sure. So, um, uh, not, not quite so, as yeah. much. Seemingly, not quite as much these days as it, uh, last year. I don't think I was. Oh, wait, really, how come? I don't know. I didn't feel nearly as motivated this year as I was last year. I, I, probably. It had to do with the fact that it was no longer new. You know, most what? people like for me, I know I get most excited by something that's like brand spanking new to me and I'm sort of working out the kinks and stuff. But once right. muscle memory sort of just sets in, everything sort of becomes kind of routine. Right. So and you're I, talking I, about the, the live streaming and Twitch stuff, right? Li- live streaming, Twitch stuff, YouTube mm. stuff, listening to music in general just seems sort of uh, part and parcel of daily existence at this point. <laughs> um, well, that's that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. So what what makes it? Is it just that part of it? Because isn't sort of the idea of you're you're hearing something new because i know obviously there's loads of artists that are real firm sort of staples to sort of raw select sure. uh, and, and a lot of them were sort of in your sort of favorite releases of of 2021 as well which i was hoping to discuss later but don't you kind of i totally understand what you mean i i in terms of that notion of it, 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 I don't want to use the word chore, but things become a chore because you have to consider writing uh, or, or, or recording a review and writing something for the website and then, you know, performing um, on, on, on a kind of a regimental type basis. You know, on a specific day, you have to record even if you're not really feeling it or anything right. like that. But you still get that joy, right, from hearing something new and saying, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. I want to share that. Yeah, and it, I think a lot of it has to do with, especially when it comes to the Twitch and YouTube stuff, uh, just having sort of unrealistic expectations of how my stuff should do, not really taking into consideration that, like, by all you know measurable metrics, my channels are really, really small, and I should be sort of more grateful that I get as many eyes on the uh, the things that I'm doing that I that I do, but by you know it's hard it's easy to tell yourself not to fall into the trap of like oh uh i'm less successful than such and such person and uh get all disheartened by the fact that seemingly everyone around me is uh getting more views more plays uh more listeners than i am but the fact that i have any level of success doing it. I mean, there's no reason that like this random nobody that lives in Japan has uh, as many subscribers as I do, as many people watching my live streams as I do. So it's kind of me playing against my own expectations and, you know, trying not to uh, let my sort of the, the, the worst, more negative aspects of my personality get the best of me. And, trying to remain positive you see this is I, I think we've sort of touched on stuff like this before and i find this really really fascinating because it's that it, it's that 
So I guess I think this is a question I've asked you before in relation mm-hmm. to this kind of mindset, but I'll ask again. Um, is it the type of thing that you feel would ultimately win out and make you want to stop doing it? Because you're not, in terms of the expectations that you set for yourself and the targets you kind of set, if if you got to a point where you're like, I'm, this isn't worth the effort that I'm putting into it, I think I'm just going to stop. Do you ever think you that that would get to that point? I don't know if I'd ever stop, but I would definitely slow down. I know that for, to some degree my YouTube output started slowing down as uh, I finished up that extremely uh, all-encompassing square pusher project that I did in the yeah. middle of a year. That took up a lot of energy, yeah. uh, both like physically and creatively. Yay. <laughs> Making up new words on the spot here, Imran. <laughs> You get what I'm saying, right? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, they can be all, you know, they can be exhausting, right, to kind of immerse yourself into something. And obviously, you're right, you you do, it's with any form of art, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you do it because you're compelled to do it. But I would say nine out of 10 cases of people that create in whatever form it is, if it's something you've written, uh, 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 drawn, painted, sculpted, uh, created in any context, there's that it just goes hand in hand with wanting people to see and appreciate it. Yeah. No, and for sure. It's, yeah. And it's the thing where it's, if I don't know, it, I, I, it always comes to that point where it's like, it is the lack of that in terms of whatever that target is. Cause I, I think your numbers are great in many cases. You know, I was on uh, your YouTube uh, video today and I was, uh, so your YouTube channel today, uh, as I mentioned, I was watching your, uh, your year's, your year in reviews, uh, the honorable mentions video and, um, the, uh, the actual top 10, uh, mm-hmm. that you put out and, you know, your subscriber numbers, you know, are great. Yeah. I mean, they're doing better. I feel like, uh, I don't know, may- maybe again, I have wildly different expectations from years past thinking that, Oh, my numbers are, uh, the actual view count, not the number of subscribers Mm. is lower than it has been uh compared to the maybe the like last two years or so and then uh i I look at it i'm like well you know one i'm sort of dabbling in territory uh that most people don't really know about so working listening to listening and talking to about a lot of obscure music already has that working against me but to the degree that i have any sort of success in terms of like people watching the uh the videos that i've been doing about the artists that i talk about i guess i should be a bit more grateful i think a lot of it also has to do with sort of uh locally like i've I've got really like nobody to bounce ideas off any off anymore and i I think that has it becomes it's becomes sort of the lonely island that i inhabit when when it comes to music and i think maybe you can share this i share this feeling to some degree yeah yeah, you just totally. Ha- it's 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 interesting hearing that because I, I I always I have a real strong affection for say '90s music. 
Mm-hmm. because it was sort of it represents an era uh, of really when I fell in love with it when I just fell in love with music from sort of uh, like mid 90s hip hop and that kind of got me into neo soul and then the samples that you know everyone was using and it was sort of this this wonderful thing but w- one thing that I adore about that period is that I was surrounded by people who loved the same thing right. and you could easily share in these these experiences of have you heard the new blah 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 and you'd all gather around and you know because we were at uni and you kind of have these experiences uh together but music now because of the internet is so diverse you can pick up something that you know from you know uh other, on another, the other side of the world that isn't readily you know on on your your buddy's radar and you just you know and it's kind of like oh i don't really like that and it becomes a very solitary experience the lonely island is a perfect way of saying it so yeah for me it is completely that you have this moment of discovering something on your laptop screen that and you're like oh my gosh this is amazing yeah, I share this and, with everybody and then exactly. you realize <laughs> that you're, you're just talking to a bunch of crickets <laughs> it's exactly that yeah no I completely agree yeah but um, I don't know. I think that's probably what compels me to radio is this this compulsion to share and constantly like listen to this and read this. And yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, I mean, all things being equal, I like going back to the question that you'd asked before, would I uh, still keep doing this uh, even if I wasn't really, you know, seeing any sort of, growth or progress or success with this i i mean yeah probably at at this point it's so ingrained in me that i actually it's like going to the gym for me i feel guilty if i don't right even if i'm not really seeing uh gains in the gym these days i still have to force myself to go because otherwise i just feel you know fat and flabby if i don't (laughs) yeah it's um yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I, I kind of get to a point near the end of the year where mm-hmm. I, I have to just, I like, I don't take the month off. That's not sort of the case, but I, I try to distance myself from everything around Christmas time for as much as possible because it, it does get all consuming, you know, and it's that notion of, again, that, that kind of that art perspective. I mean, for you, how, how do you kind of navigate that? Because you're, you're 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 creating it, it, you know you, you you're putting you, you I mean, the raw select brand is fantastic you know and anyone oh, that you, would sir. discover it no but i genuinely mean that i mean from the live streams to the the music that you push via the uh the website um uh the video uh uh, uh reviews and and everything on the youtube and channel. the resurrected radio show and the resurrected radio show of course of course that's um, actually but... that's actually been a lot of fun Go, oh, going good. finally recalibrating the uh the radio show to uh the point where it actually ha- serves a function because yeah. like i i think maybe we, we've talked about this off air but uh it was getting to the point where the radio show and the live streams were sort of meshing together yes and it didn't seem like the radio show was serving a function anymore. Yeah. And you were repeating what you were already yeah, doing. And, and, so. uh, yeah. That, that, that sort of regurgitative aspect to it was just yeah. kind of killing my motivation to do anything sure. with it. But now 
going into the radio show and sort of making it into like this one hour mini mix has uh it's been a lot of fun yeah and that's I, great I'm, yeah no i'm, re I'm really great glad that i sort of took a step back because my, my general way of doing things is like i just i just go i, I don't think about it i just ha i have to keep moving keep doing something and actually taking a minute and thinking, well, maybe I need to approach this a little bit differently. Yeah. And then putting it into practice, it ended up, uh, it really ended up paying off at the end of the day. So, yeah, it was a, it, it was, the, it was a logical kind of evolution for the show, I think, in light yeah. of what you were doing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I could, I had this horror moment. I, I, I may have seen it before you, maybe, but certainly before we discussed it. But at the time, as you said, you were doing the Twitch stuff. Uh, excuse me, I don't think it was Twitch at the time. It may have been know, YouTube, YouTube or Facebook, wasn't it? Twitch came about. Yeah, quite recently. September or October. Wow, yeah. Um, but I suppose, yeah, it was, you could see that, you know, one was almost a duplication of the other. And, and I could see that kind of, I don't know, the, or the lack of enthusiasm for having to do it in that way, and right. as would be the case for anybody, you know, it was sort of having to do two shows, um, you know, in, in such a similar vein, so close to each other, you know, so it was, um, it was an understandable and again, a great evolution for it. But like, how do you, how do you balance that in terms of, like I said, you're, you, you have all this content that you're creating from mm -hmm. the artistic perspective, but you, like you said, from a numbers wise, you're in a situation where you need people to, to consume it. So you kind of have to have that marketing hat. And how do you kind of find doing that? Do you find yourself sitting there and thinking, how, how can I get new, new eyes and ears on this? Uh, you know, actually, that's probably the part of doing this whole thing that I'm the worst at. Is, yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> hate it. Hate, hate I, it. I absolutely, I, I have, uh, in the multiple jobs that I've worked throughout my 38 years on this planet, I've never wanted to work in sales. And I think largely just due to my own personality, I can't sell you something that I don't think you need. Hmm. And even if it comes to my own sort of stuff, I would be if you, you sort of imagine like a, a like an old showroom or something, then somebody comes in and they're like shopping around for different podcasts or what what have you, and just be like, "Hey, I got this thing. You, you can check it out, but if you don't want to watch, you don't want to watch it. Eh, it's fine too. You can do do your own thing." That's sort of been my sort of uh, approach to uh, selling my own content. Mm -hmm. which has you know, worked out for better better or worse <laughs> i've always i've always been sort of like if people if people find my stuff organically or if they find it through the algorithm or what what have you i i'm super happy and super super grateful about that and i've got a couple of uh like really dedicated people who usually pop into my live stream so that's been really encouraging and those are the people that i usually play to the most mm. but in terms of broadly speaking selling my stuff i think i was even better about it probably a, a few year, uh few months ago when i was regular po regularly posting to uh instagram like clips from the live streams or clips right. from the uh youtube channel and i i've just completely stopped doing that for whatever reason
I actually don't have a good excuse as to why <laughs> I haven't been doing that other than I've just been lazy. It does feel like there's a secret to this whole gig and it's right. like no one's telling us what it is. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I know. I, it feels I, like I, it's a very simple thing sometimes because sometimes I, you'll I just stumble. I swear there's just like one magic tag. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like one magic tag or one magic hashtag <laughs> that like somebody knows and they refuse to share it with us yeah. plebs. And I, I, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And it, it, it literally does feel like that because sometimes you, you look at other you know, people in our situation that are creating content and you look at them and you're kind of like, how, how have you done that? How have yeah. you managed to connect with that amount, that amount of people? And, you know, um, it's just, it's just things. And even like artists, it's always funny, you know, you read about artists that you like, and then they say things like, oh, you know, yeah, we just, we, we made this song. We just did this thing and pressed up 200 copies. They sold out instantly. And it's like, how, like, how did you, <laughs> Cocaine I'm happy champagne for just you, came but... in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then Blue Note Records knocked on the door and said, Yeah, here's a seven album deal. It's like, what? No, hang on. There's gotta be something I'm missing. How did yeah, you that, get wh people to know this, you exist? This is the uh the South Park underwear gnomes <laughs> right there. <laughs> that, that that question mark period and then yeah, you know, step four, profit. Yeah. <laughs> but I just yeah, sometimes it's it sometimes it feels like a like a cool puzzle. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, sometimes I can kind of embrace the idea of how can I get someone to engage or, oh, yeah, or how can I, yeah, yeah no, no, I, I kind of take the, I didn't take to think of it that way. That that's probably a really healthy way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it is. I mean, I, I, so there's different avenues. I, what I think that is, is great for you is that you have separate, you have several avenues so I think it's always going to be the case potentially mm -hmm. that you want everyone to go to raw select the actual website, right? Because that's going to be the home for everything. So you'll have your YouTube stuff on its own separate page. You'll have your reviews on its own separate page. You'll have maybe your recorded Twitch streams on the whole separate page, but that's the hub. That's the single address you want people to go to. Right. And it's about how do you put that one address to you know to 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 kind of to you've got several avenues so if someone discovers you via youtube then they can find that address if you someone on twitch you they'll find the address if you say it or you know on the radio then they'll find the address that's kind of what i imagine that you want to do so that's sort of like yeah so i guess it's sort of about figuring out how you would put that in front of people you know, and then you find new ways to put that in front of people. And sometimes it's like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it was very interesting because I, I think, like I was saying before, a lot of this is just sort of uh, maybe maybe like muscle memory or heuristic where yeah. I just kind of like do things without really, because I, I've been doing it for so long that I just sort of do it, take it for granted, but don't really take into consideration the, uh, what, what's the end goal? Where, where, where? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's, it can sometimes I imagine be as simple as reframing the question. Right. You know, and that opens up slightly different avenues, you know, in terms of how you present things and how you, 
subsequently let people know you exist and things like that i don't know but it's it's yeah it, it's it yeah I, as you said i think the healthy way of looking at it is as a puzzle and like how can i solve it how can i kind of get around this or how can i and who push can I, this who can i ask to help me solve this puzzle right yes so that's the one yeah. thing i haven't answered yet uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm trying to find uh some some it seems like a lot of success, especially on like Twitch or YouTube or what have you, seems to come from like a, a shout out or a call out or right. getting somebody who's more entrenched than you are to recognize what you're doing and help build you up through their already existing audience. And while it seems like I, I'm getting all these... uh great little followers from uh just you know the, the the average joe on the internet it seems like i still haven't cracked that code to get uh people that are i mean comparatively more successful than i am but i mean and i mm-hmm. guess the main thing is just not getting too discouraged about it yeah. i think like with any artist kind of going back to what you were saying before, like I don't think even the greatest artists are a hundred percent happy with their work all the time. And right. that, that's a pretty naive, naive way of thinking about uh, how most people create art. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think you were asserting that in the slightest. No, but... no, no, not at all. No, no. It's yeah. It's, it's just that notion of you, you want, people to hear it and and like you said the square pusher thing is something you invested a heck of a lot of time in right and it's just a case of you kind of it's not you saying hey this is the best thing anyone's ever going to hear uh i'm not saying it isn't the best thing anyone's ever going to hear but it's this well, that I, notion I, of, I, there, there's some super diehard there are some super diehard oh, right. square pusher fans out there uh, a friend of mine in town was telling me after i started this whole square pusher series i was like hey man you might want to check this out and he told me back, he's like, you know, when I was in college, there were some diehard square pusher heads that I had to deal with, and they turned me off to his music forever. So, oh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm just absolutely traumatized. I'm not going to watch any of your videos. Dude, oh, my gosh. Fuck? Wow. <laughs> Dude. Thanks for your support. <laughs> Thanks for your support, Eric. Shout out to Eric. <laughs> um well okay i'll make sure i guess everyone's got their scars to bear later (laughs) it's um (laughs) it's um yeah i don't know it's uh as we said it's that it is its own its own exciting puzzle you had um we we had a i'm gonna reach my phone now we had a an interesting exchange there was a really cool kind of phrase you said in a in a text exchange we had a couple of weeks ago where oh i've forgotten in instantly the, the wording that you we you know we kind of used where you said da, 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 ah having something to prove mm. do you remember when we right when we said that you were kind of talking about when you when you play out oh right and, right and right stuff yeah. like that and you yeah, kind of no, talked I, about i just that. found the, i just found the message myself Right. And you had that. Yeah, it was a super cool phrase about whether or not you. Because there's two ways, you know, I think you can kind of look at that phrase as 
as it's literally in the two ways that we've we've just been discussing it in terms of having something to prove to people that you can you know present your content to a wider audience and to prove that you your your name should be kind of you know that it holds weight mm -hmm. or having something to prove in terms of just the act from the actual shows or mixes or the art perspective you know like I'm creating I'm creating uh, content to a standard that I'm very very happy with, and I don't have to prove anything more than that to anybody. Does it, do you know what I mean? Those kind of right. two avenues of right. the people that could consume it, and then the people that well, like yourself that that create. You know, and it was a really interesting phrase, and I, I think for me, I instantly went towards the notion of people consuming it. You know, and I thought, I, I felt on a personal level, I think I feel like I've got a lot to prove because I want, I think I, I would like for everything that goes into like the, the station, you want people to, to say, Hey, that's, that's a cool station or mm -hmm. that, that, that station has some, has a great perspective on, on contemporary music and has a great array of, of, of presenters and DJs and things like that. So you, I, I look at it as something to prove from that perspective, but I think you meant it from the other perspective from, the, from what you, you do in your time. Is that right? No, I was speaking to it mostly in terms of uh, dealing with other DJs at the local level. Right. So for the longest time, I felt like I was trying to climb the sort of uh, local DJ hierarchy, if you will, mm. and trying to really make a name for myself, like really show that like I'm a, a DJ worth inviting to uh, basically any sort of gig, which is where a lot of like trying to be a jack of all trades uh, that, you know, with all the different types of music that I play in the live streams and the radio shows was partially born out of the idea that maybe somewhat arrogantly that I could play any kind of event. If you had a house event going on, I could play house music. If you had a funk and soul event, I could do funk and soul. If you had a hip hop event. I've got that. If you've got an all genre event, I've got uh, I, I can pretty much go in any direction. Right. So, but just over time, and I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I've been out of uh, gigs for so long. I just I no longer feel like I have to prove anything to anyone right. here in terms of like local DJs and stuff on the internet. Oh God, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I am still, I am still constantly trying to prove that I uh, <laughs> still trying to prove, uh, prove myself worthy. Uh, and sort of the internet space. I'm just talking lo like right, uh, right, dealing right. with uh, peers mostly. So from, from an internet perspective, then what are you trying to prove? That is a really good question. And I don't think I have a very good answer for that. Uh, I kind of just want to show off, I guess. I mean, if I were to make an answer up on the fly, I would say that I'm, ultimately motivated to just sh share as much good music as I can and try to present it in the best way possible. I know I could probably spend a bit more time brushing up on my uh, DJ and mixing skills, but ultimately it's for me, it's just trying to, Oh, 
to any time that somebody says that like there's no good music anymore i always want to prove them wrong by showing yeah. off that like there's still so much great yeah. music that's coming out which might actually yeah. be a good uh good transition into uh favorites of the year it would be that's a great transition um thank you very much and you <laughs> verbal dj and... skills right there there's a little <laughs> just put a little echo on that um <laughs> Um, so I've got the the, the air horn now. <laughs> <laughs> <Here it is. laughs> Perfect. Twenty twenty one in review. <laughs> um, so we... Le- and, and, all right, Imran, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm walking out of this interview. <laughs> so, in regards to twenty twenty one, you put out two awesome videos. Thank you. Two really, really great videos. Uh, one was the honorable mentions one, mm-hmm. and then you have your official top ten. So I'll right. stick with the honorable mentions for a moment, if I oh, may. Okay. Uh, uh, one of my favorites from the year, an album. Well, oh, I, I don't know. I, I've always been referring to it as an EP. I think you refer to it as an album. But uh, the uh, Mile Manzanza. Ah, right, uh, right, right. Release. Is it love Ma- that record? Mile or is it Miley? I oh, I, I've, well, I've never heard it said, but I, I you know, like. Swear I heard uh, it was a New Zealand radio interview, and I could swear that it was Miley, but I don't know. I, will, I, I won't dispute I it. Ask, then Miley, Miley Manzine about that. He, he, Can if you anybody, ask Julian Dine? What's up? Okay. Can you ask Julian Dine? I probably could. Awesome. I, I talk to him. <laughs> I talk to him every now and I actually talk to him every now and then. Amazing. That's awesome. So, and I, I, I've been putting off for, so he was in town two, two years ago and he remembered me from the time that I talked to him when he was doing his December tour. Uh, the name of his 2012, 2013 album. And, uh, I, I ended up spending most of the night talking to him because I was the only foreigner at the, at the right. event. <laughs> And then when he came back into town for uh, his next solo tour, I ended up talking to him a bunch then. And we were flirting around with the idea of setting up an interview while he was in town. But unfortunately, there was a pretty sizable earthquake around that time. And uh, nothing ended up working out. So uh, I said, hey, I'll hit you up on the Internet, hit you up on the Internet. And let's get an interview going. And it just never turned into anything. But Dude, yeah, should. no, but we sent, we, yeah, I know, send messages back and forth to each other. He's a super down to earth, super friendly guy. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, anyways, Miley Manzanza. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> a so long tangent um... aside. <laughs> I've only heard volume one. Um, I haven't got volume two yet. Yeah. So I, 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 I thank I, you for reminding me because I actually do need to pick up volume two. Right, because he's got a whole new band lineup as well for Volume Two, which I thought was interesting. So he's got some amazing names uh, for Volume One: uh, uh, Mark DeClive Lowe's on synths, of course. Pianist, the, the, ubiquitous Miley, the, the ubiquitous Mark yes. DeClive Lowe at this point. Amazing. Well, those two are quite intertwined, aren't they? They're, they've been collaborators for a really, really long time uh, for each other's uh, projects. So yeah, he was a, an unsurprising sort of inclusion. But I really love that that release. Um, I thought it was a brilliant. Uh, he's very much a star of that from the drumming and sort of mm-hmm. percussion perspective. He, it's a it's a brilliant release, and that one made your honorable mentions, which is uh, lovely to see. Um, you have uh, Children of Zeus, 
as well, which I always, it's, it's always funny. I always get intrigued when you discuss Children of Zeus because I feel like I you kind of mentioned I am the only it. one who has this opinion, I swear. Well, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, well, you're the only one I've heard have the opinion, if you know what I mean. I'm sure other people do, but, you know, it's great to see them kind of get increasing notoriety and i'm sure you'll agree like oh i know absolutely absolutely yeah yeah Mm. but yeah sometimes you you can be like yeah you you can do better though gang you can do better. well it's not that they can it's this is where you know some i'm sure somebody like fantano would argue with me that my whole approach to uh critiquing or reviewing music is completely off because basically my own personal tastes basically inform uh the uh, how how much i enjoy a certain album but i i just can't, in in a vacuum children's of zeus's uh albums would probably be uh my favorites but i heard their early stuff and their early stuff had this amazing mix of like old school r&b with sort of a new flavor to it and i can't let that go because that stuff is right. so much more superior to some of the really drab stuff that appears on their album releases. I understand. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. know what else. To, I honestly don't know what else to say. Like their beat choices were so much more inspired with some of their earliest releases. Mm. Go back and listen to if you've never. If I think I've sure I've thrown it into a radio show at some point go back yeah, and listen yeah, yeah you to, have yeah uh, I remember you're, you've 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 said sort of similar stuff on radio shows as yeah. well go listen uh, to sort of... I can't wait yeah if you remember the track totally sounds like it's ripping the uh the melody from uh the Ghostbusters 2 theme song but it works nice. so Bobby Brown what's that the Bobby Brown one yeah on our own wow okay I think that I think that's the name of it. So I guess gone. Yeah, yeah, on our own, Bobby Brown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is Bobby Brown. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, okay. Oh, hmm. I thought I knew there's something you were talking about, but maybe I don't. I'll have to. Okay, I will. I'll make no, that. I'll, it was, we'll a, make it was a seven-inch only release, mm. and that was the sound from them that I absolutely loved. Or uh, the the flip side of that seven-inch too. Uh, I think it's can't don't have to say a word or something like that it's got the the chunky uh skull snaps uh drum break as right. sort of the foundation of it and but it's still got like that sort of smooth almost like brown sugar era d'angelo sort of nice. vibe to it mm. and that stuff is so much more interesting than them attempting to make like trap music right <laughs> <laughs> right or su- like pseudo trap music yeah and, and, no, okay. and despite the fact that i know i'm being it sounds again like i said in the video i'm sounding like i'm so hard on this album but i do enjoy it i, I just don't enjoy it in i don't enjoy it to the degree that i would like to because like i said their old stuff still exists yeah i don't think it sounded like you were hard on them it's just it, like you know i think you 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 were fairly um uh i suppose somewhat like succinct in it in terms of like you like fair. it yeah yeah i know I, I i i can't think of a time where i thought whoa sean hey what the hell <laughs> like uh, that was brutal well like, I, 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 can't I, think was, of... 
I, I was not at all shocked when I, I put out the uh, the review for the Bad Bad Not Good, the new Bad Bad Not Good album that uh, like I check my metrics every now and then to see like likes and dislikes, and especially since YouTube removed the uh, visible dislikes. So I have to go into YouTube studio to see how right. uh, people are finding my videos and I looked at the bad, bad, not good review, and I was like, "Oh yeah, seventy-five percent. That makes sense. Seventy-five percent oh, likes." Oh, right. So this review's passed me by. I mean, that scored highly in your top ten, didn't it? I, it, I, it, it went kind of exactly the way I expected it to. I wasn't. What was your review then? Like I, on I the think video, when I first listened, I think when I first listened to it, I was um... kind of like, "This is good." I don't think it's as good as their early stuff. I feel right. like it, it's missing an element. And with the absence of Matthew Tavares, uh, it, it's becoming plainly obvious that there is an element that's missing to them. Right. But it, I mean, it still sounds great. And now that I've had a bit more time to listen to it since I put the review out, uh, I'm finding myself enjoying it more and more every time that I listen to it. Mm. So it, it's go, going up there. It, it's still good. It's not nearly as good as three and four. I don't think they'll ever recapture the the same magic of those two albums. Right? Has Tavares left the group, or he's just sat one album out? Ooh, or something? ooh, ooh! So that it, when you get the chance, go over to his uh, Instagram because uh, the things that he said on his Instagram do not paint a very. Uh, amicable split from the band oh no yeah it it was pretty acrimonious to say the least oh right yeah and unfortunately i saw that right before i did the review for the bad bad not good album and i was like ooh, it's kind of this kind of poisons the well a little bit right so okay oh that's Uh, interesting I shall review. I shall. I'll, I'll look into it, but more. Um, yeah, I'm always I, as, as I. I'm not massively well versed on them. I've got. Uh, I have the the, uh, the four album, uh, which has to me. I can't imagine they're ever going to write make a, a better song than uh, "Time Moves Slow," oh, God. Uh, which is oh, just one yeah. of the best songs of all time. Well, it's speaking glorious. gently, speaking gently to me is like everything I love about uh, right bad bad not good it it basically took a lot of the the sort of ideas from three and just made it into this absolutely massive epic tune Mm -hmm. and them bringing leland witty on sax into the group and making him a regular member of the band just like really made them that uh made them into i i was sounding sounding like a like really bad new uh uh rolling stone critic at this point but it's the (laughs) fourth that really made them become the 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 force to be reckoned with or some bullshit like that Uh, they're quite a versatile group though haven't they i mean even the fact that they do so much with like k trinada 
for mm-hmm. example, is really kind of like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then there's the Ghostface project, and it's like, oh, okay, sure. So, yeah, I kind of like the, the kind of decision sometimes. It just kind of go completely off piece from what you would think just from listening to, like, their album. Yeah, and, uh, and the, I think one thing that I noticed was that the, the newest album doesn't have sort of the uh, post-rock undertones that 3 and okay. 4 did. right. Which which is kind of disappointing because I liked that uh, mishmash of all the different genres and all the different right. influences sort of coming together to make that unique sound. Right. Which is why, like, the bad, well, my own personal biases aside, that's why, like, Bad, Bad, Not Good made it on to the end of the year list and Miley Manzanza didn't. And for as much as I really liked that album, mm. uh, I just, it, it felt a little bit stock to me. Right, and, it, and it's not because it's bad or anything like that it just didn't have like it, it didn't even have any of the standout moments of say a love requited did right we, i don't know if you listen to that album yeah yeah i do and the subsequent remix uh ep that oh came how out is as that well. I, I was always curious it's good yeah, it's a, it's it's more broke beat uh, stuff. Um, um, you know, like Mark the Clive Lowe's on there. Is it Theo Parish? Yeah, I think Theo uh, Parish as well. Is yeah, uh, uh, Dark House Family uh, as well. It's 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 good. It's yeah, it's really really good. Um, so uh, yeah, I actually prefer. Funny enough, I prefer Crisis and Opportunity to uh, Volume One to A Love Requited. I, oh, okay. I just found it more more of sort of a little bit for me anyway more of a sort of more versatile sound and it was sort of a bit more unpredictable I see. Um, and I, I kind of I dug the pace of it and um, yeah it was just really it's I kind of use this word sometimes and it sounds a bit lame but it, I do mean it in a really positive way but it's just more of an interesting record um, just yeah, with how it yeah, kind no, of comes I, I together but uh, yeah, and he's you know he's he's I, he's amazing really because he's again he's like uh, the Clive Lowe and like he can do like a broken beat record like his early early uh, uh, album release which the name escapes me but then he can do something like a Love Requited which mm-hmm. is like the completely opposite end so it's yeah he's a real uh, talented guy so and everything um, that I've heard I don't know if you've heard a little snippets from Crisis and Opportunity Volume Two. I've heard nothing from it, no. It, it seems like he's experimenting a little bit more with that record. So okay. it doesn't have sort of the... it. I mean, it has the new jazz undertones, overtones, what have you, but it also seems like he's going back and sort of like playing around with hip-hop and uh, hip-hop and funk and uh, sort of broken right. beat. So it, it seems oh, like nice. it's a little bit more varied than uh, Crisis and Opportunity. Right. Okay. Well, no. I, yeah. I. I will definitely aim to, to to pick that one up. Yeah. No. I definitely need yeah. to pick that one up too. Yeah. From your actual say top ten, you kind of open with a really interesting line that there's no new artists that managed to crack their way in. Yeah. It that, was. That, that, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. This really. I, I mean, maybe it's just part and parcel of the way that 2021 felt as a year in general. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it really felt like the, nothing really cracked my radar this year aside uh in terms of like new artists save yeah. maybe like i don't know that screw screw record that i heard at the beginning of the year right. with uh rain in a bamboo groove i don't know if you remember that track 
Uh, no, I, I know of Screw Screw. I mean, I mean, you put him on your your last radio show, actually. Um, so yeah, I, I I've heard one or two songs, but I'm I'm not sure I know that one. No, okay. I mean that that, um, that track was pretty cool. Um, mm. but the, the actual EP is just sort of standard, sort of uh, deep house at this point. So right. uh, unfortunately, that EP was a bit of a letdown, but I mean it's all right. Mm. And he spoke highly of the uh, the tall black guy uh, project. Was it airplane mode? Yes, airplane mode. See, was that one, I haven't managed to hear that one yet. And I'm oh, really I highly, highly recommend. Yeah, it, it, it's um, like prime tall black guy. Brilliant. But uh, the album that he did with Ozzy Moore, I also starting to realize that maybe I was a little bit too critical on it, or right. I was a little bit too bias towards an instrumental project because kind of going back and listening to it i'm realizing that like there's some really brilliant moments on that album in terms of uh mm -hmm. tall black guys production on it yeah he's a wizard isn't he like um did you ever get his record with zoe no i, I like i was so frustrated that, that they ended up delaying the vinyl until next year oh okay so i right. i you know it it's an old habit that I can't break in that, like, I will wait until I have a physical copy of something before I uh, listen to something. I'm exactly the same. 100% the same. Yeah. But for, yeah, I'm, I'm less vinyl. Uh, uh, but yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't consider myself having, even if I'm sent MP3s of something and I'm like, oh, no, I love this. I need to buy it. Oh, right, right, right. For a while. So, uh, so yeah, I completely agree. That's bizarre. Um, I would save so much money if I it wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, same. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, uh, yes, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I'll have to look up the the airplane mode. I've kind of been scrounging uh, sort of random TBG remixes uh, of late. Oh, I got geez, his, yeah. uh, and God, keeping up with that is is a mission in of itself. But I got his uh, Takuya Karuda uh, remix from I think about two years ago um i got it very oh, recently it's right, like right, rpng right, right. Yeah, no, I remember or something that like track. that uh, yeah i, I was... can't remember what it's called it's like rbng or something or it's yep, like an acronym yeah. or something no I, I did a post about that i did a post about that oh, cool. years ago oh wicked yeah that's yeah. super cool i just sort of stumbled onto that and thought oh my god like purchase immediately so uh yeah i always, I always um, kept hoping that he would uh put out a uh seven inch release for for that track because Mm. That that song is just like absolutely inspired, brilliant, tall black guy. Yeah, just yeah. like. Did you hear the tribute track that he did for? I want to say it's DJ Devastate called "We're All We're All With You" or something like that. No, I don't know that. That is uh, like tall black guy at his most epic. Is that on his Bandcamp? Yes, it should be on his band camp. Okay. It, the uh, label or the cover art for it is uh, pink and blue. Right. Okay, I'll have a look at that. Some of his band camp, his band camp prices can be a bit high. Okay, uh, are they? As well. Yeah, I think so. But I, think like, also does, I think he also does a subscription service, though. Oh, okay. This is sort of the same thing that uh, Amon Tobin started doing over the last year or two. Are you purchasing from Bandcamp yet? No, because I still need a credit card. <laughs> but you have like a standard bank card, right? 
Yeah, no, I have a standard bank card, but it's not. Uh, there, there's no attachment to any credit card company. It's just well, you don't. Bank. But yeah, but couldn't don't you use that? Because I don't have a credit card. But I I buy like from. Oh, like, like you're, you're talking about doing debit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I possibly. I've never really looked into it. I think you might be able to. It might be. I don't know. Some of these banks are here in Japan. Or, yes, it's all like the Stone yeah. Age. You know about fax machines here, right? Fax what, machines they, are they still exist? very prevalent here. Japan is like the, the, isn't it like the technological center of the world? Well, you also have a aging population that refuses to retire in i suppose you're, you're more mountainside now aren't you nigata yeah but mm. i mean it, it's still it's prevalent across tokyo that really? the, the biggest problem is that like again you have an aging population that refuses to retire but also refuses to change with the time so you've got uh you know uh, a country that's viewed by many as one of the most technologically advanced in the mm. world, and in a lot of ways they are, but also use some of the most Stone Age technology for the the, the reason that I just list uh, the reason that I just said. So uh, Japan is ultimately a land of contradiction. Wow. Hmm. Never would have figured. So. Oh well. All right. Well. Uh, Hopefully it can work out for you at some point. <laughs> so what but was I, it what, going, going back on topic? I apologize. Mm. I'm the tangent master here. No, this is what these are for. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was your, what, what would you have put in your uh, top five for this year? Um, there, there is a record that mm. I haven't seen anybody talk about. Um, so there, there are some, like, some obvious names, obviously. Um, but, there is a project by a something of a they're, they're predominantly an instrumental kind of soul band called the KBCS, and I don't know what KBCS stands for, but they they had a, a record out a couple years ago, I think, on a uh, German uh, funk and soul label called Legere, and they've just had a record out now on uh, Jazzanova's Sona Collective, and. Um, I mean, it's it is so incredibly brilliant, and it's this brilliant mix of uh, sort of vocal uh, contributions and just like instrumental numbers that each just seemingly get better. You know, when it's like you hear a record for the first time and you think this is just everything I kind of want it to be, right? And it's like fifteen, sixteen tracks, and there's a couple of fairly well high profile kind of uh, vocal contributors. There's um, as a first word record artist called uh, uh, Olivier uh, Saint Louis, he has. Yes, a, a, I, I've a, seen a that name. I, yeah. I haven't really listened to any of his music yet, but yeah, he's got a brilliant EP called "Matters of the Heartless" on uh, First Word Records, which came out much earlier this year. He does vocals for one track, and uh, Jay Lamotta does vocals for another track as well. And it's it is such a fantastic record. Uh, it's called Color Box. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I just can't scream about it enough. Um, and uh, yeah, it's bizarre because I just don't see it on anyone's kind of list, um, which is a real shame because I, I think it's a really, really, really stunning record and I just adore it. Um, I kind of got some late uh, kind of jazz um, 
uh, sort of recommendations, which were amazing. So there's a, a band in Israel called uh, Dremia, um, and they're, you know, independent. They on Bandcamp, they just put their record out um, a few months ago, and it's great. There's a Telemachus, um, which is a, another great jazz record called uh, The New Heritage. Um, and um, there is a Parisian uh, jazz oh, band. Um, yeah, they're called um, uh, Pan Am Panic, and they just released their third uh, album release uh, called Love of Humanity. And I think it's probably inspired from events, uh, global events from like the last couple of years. And the, um, the, the, the title track, which is my favorite one on that album, kind of samples Charlie Chaplin's kind of that epic speech from The Dictator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of it sets the tone, I think, for a lot of what that album sort of, I think, is sort of indicative of. And it's, uh, it's just a brilliant record. It's really, really great. And there's probably another 10 I could think of. But um, yeah, those are the ones that sort of jump to mind that, uh, the most but that that kbcs thing i think is really yeah it should be everyone. yeah i looked it up while you were uh while you were talking about all your right different releases and i made sure to uh bookmark that one because brilliant yeah you you it, it seemed like you were pretty hyped by that one yeah it, the, it, there's the track called um yeah there's a there's a couple of just brilliant well it's more than a, a couple you know when you listen to an album you're like you know ideally there's like one or two tracks that will instantly boom that that's the one yeah you know that and this has like five and it's just it's such a great great record there's a track with, with a, 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 a vocalist called bowie um it's near i think that a portion of the album which is just oh gosh fantastic if you don't like that one then you probably won't like much else i see but, um there's a couple Wait, i thought you're gonna finish that if you don't like that one we can no longer be friends because <laughs> how are you gonna finish that sentence <laughs> I was dangerously close to, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I yeah, I, I got very enthused about that record. Um, yeah, so there's probably like a whole bunch more, but um, yeah, that one would would rank quite highly. Uh, so yeah, because you didn't really yeah. structure any of the, you didn't really make like a an official top ten list to just sort of arbitrarily throw everything into like one. No, I'm I'm in the no, I, I I normally kind of do like lists of like my favorite records. I just still didn't didn't kind of happen this year. I was sort of struggled for time. I'm kind of toying with the idea of just doing a massive list of some of my favorite songs from the year, which Yeah, you know, I, I'm I thinking can... about doing that also. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of almost doing one more video if I can motivate myself of just going through my favorite songs of the year. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's a ton of like seven inch releases that I've got that I, I think just focusing purely on albums uh, cuts out a lot of stuff that I heard that was phenomenal that I don't have on vinyl. Right. Like the, uh, the only child tyrant track that uh, Amon Tobin put out. I really, really liked uh, no, I don't know that one. I'll, I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I hope. Um, yeah, you, you, you I wish I could remember this. the name of it off the top of my head. Dude's been putting out so much music wow. since he started up his own label and got off Ninja Tune. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I, well, he was insanely prolific at the beginning of his career too. 
when he started releasing stuff on Ninja Tune back in like 95, he was putting out an album a year. Wow. And then I think it was probably like around the time that he put out the soundtrack for Splinter Cell 3 was when he, uh, the, the sort of his output slowed. But like all all those guys back in the day were really pro- prolific. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's funny, isn't it? How to to be able to put that much stuff out, you know? Well, it's especially like... in, no, in those days where yes. you know you had to press something physical, be it a CD, CD record, or tape, what have mm. you. Now with you know everything going digital, like there there's really no sort of barrier to entry to getting your uh, getting your stuff out there, right? Yeah. And, it's, and, and you're right. I guess it, it did have to be so much more to, to to invest that money to getting the physical copy. Right. You know, you were yeah. To, you you obviously needed that re- that return as opposed to obviously it, it's less. Well, I was gonna say risk, but if you're a known name, you're putting out a remix of something or other. Then you know, if you're not having it pressed up or anything, then yeah, the return's gonna be a little bit better, isn't it? Right. And another thing that I found really interesting is uh, inevitably people get into the, the the Spotify argument of like, why don't they pay out more for their streams right. and everything like that? And the first thought that I had was one, Spotify, the, no one's holding a gun to your head to say that you need to put your music up on Spotify. Right. They're a service provider. It's opt in. So mm-hmm. like you are paying, you are being paid by them based on their own terms now could they pay more sure but also Bandcamp exists yeah so there 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 are other ways of supporting artists other than just listening to them on spotify actually spend some money and buy their music but i I I know but they had the last year i think in the state i forget the stats but it was something like oh i don't know something's crazy like 80 percent or something of of the money that the music industry made was based on streaming. So I think it's sort of a case that Spotify, for example, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like, like you say, you're absolutely right. It is opt in, but at the same time, if you do want to be heard, Spotify, it does appear is, is, is where you really need to go to be heard and in the hopes that someone will listen and then explore further uh, and hopefully purchase. But it's one of those things where, you're right. It, you sort of jump in or, or don't. However, you're potentially hurting yourself by not doing it. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a very I, difficult. I don't. I don't think there. I don't think there's a good solution to this. I think Spotify mm. is probably better than say uh, Napster was. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's there there's a lot of net positives that uh, people aren't seen when it comes to the uh the spotify conversation and i say this as somebody who only uses spotify for podcasts i don't listen to any music on it because that app is absolute trash if you are not paying <laughs> for it right have you have you tried using it without a no um, i have my wife has it on her phone just as she listens to music to sort of to and from work for example but yeah it, they've got a whole thing but you can't skip a certain amount of times and it's it's you it's can't even very listen difficult... to an album right yes yes of course yeah yeah it's yeah 
Yeah, very strange. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely bizarre. All of my friends, though, are saying it's like, you know, you could probably save a lot of money by just paying for a subscription service and not buying vinyl every, you know, every month. I'm like, yeah, but w- what's the fun in that? <laughs> I had a conversation with someone uh, a few months ago um, about this notion that uh, I don't know who can we say, who can we attribute the sort of message from, but it's almost like this notion that your life is infinitely easier if you don't own anything. So mm-hmm. if you, from a music perspective, if you opt in and totally, uh, you know, give the full subscription uh, to Spotify, then in theory, you can listen to anything whenever, however you want, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you choose to consume your television via Netflix or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime, um, if you know, then that's a, a streaming that while you're paying, you have everything. Um, there is a, a thing I don't know. I, I imagine it's in Japan as well, but this notion of you renting cars, mm-hmm. so like you can like instead of just buying a car, you can rent it for you can lease it basically right. for a year or whatever it is, you know. And it's this notion that your life is infinitely easier if you just don't own anything Mm -hmm. but it's what petrifies me is as soon as you stop paying or for whatever reason on one hand you have everything but as soon as that subscription ends for whatever reason then you have nothing exactly there's nothing to show for it exactly where i was hoping you would go for it because i was going to say (laughs) the exact same thing yeah and it's 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 a funny and i don't mean i'm by no means bemoaning uh it's just as an observation and i think that's what prevents me from i can't give in to that kind of not give in but i'm like yes i have netflix we have disney plus um but i mean i don't i can't consume my music in that way there's no chance i could ever consume music in that way and not purchase like hard copies like i i think you well i mean we both probably to a certain degree spend a time listening to music online um i find that with music being so readily available these days that it doesn't it doesn't have enough time to sort of gestate a gestate that i think i said that right and <laughs> like you actually form sort of uh an association around it like right. the stuff that's the most memorable to you usually has sort of a association with uh i was here at this point in my life i was feeling this i was with these people and i think music is becoming less memorable not because it's better or worse than it was before it's just too prevalent and by sticking to uh saying buying stuff only on vinyl or only listening to stuff that you bought off Bandcamp kind of limits the amount of music that's coming to you and actually gives it a chance to sort of take hold. You get, you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a brilliant point. Yeah. But it, it's, it, I feel like at that same sort of somewhat the flip side of that is I can't, I think one thing we've determined is you and I are both obsessives when it comes to, when it comes to music. We're obsessive, so I I I sometimes have to regulate what I'm listening to because oh, same if here. I find something because yeah because otherwise the list of what I want grows 
and it <laughs> it goes beyond my control sometimes. So right. I try to like I don't want to just put you know certain radio stations or or presenters or podcasts on because I I just I fear what the end result will oh, be. Oh, <laughs> see, I see where you're going with this. because then it's like i I want this i need this now and you look it up and you're like it's there and they've only released 50 hard copies of it and i need it now and then it just gets you know it's just obsessive so sometimes i just can't readily just listen to to stuff in that vein because yeah i have to sort of be ready to like okay i'm ready to buy let me have a look at what what i can find what's out what's new what would i enjoy and so yeah I, i just can't just you know just just this just i can't, i just wish i could appreciate something just for what it is but you know it becomes an obsessive i need this now i must own this <laughs> god it's terrible yeah, yeah. trying to trying to, of, uh, trying to think of trying to think of an end game in terms of I mean, my wife's asked me multiple times it's like how many records do you need to be to be happy to be <laughs> complete and it's like don't ask me questions i don't have good answers to What's your story situation like? Do you do you have enough? Do you store some elsewhere? Um, right now, I have molded the idea over of actually doing quite a bit of pruning because I, I think right. my my selection my collection started to get a bit flabby, and okay. the, the majority of the stuff now is being used for live streams. And of course, but being able to record it and the occasional moment where uh, I'll just sit in the room and listen to music. But ultimately, 90% of like the stuff that I'm buying these days is with the thought that I'm going to be using it in a live stream. And and th- this really goes back to what you were talking about with the if you have everything at your fingertips at any given moment, you've got nothing. And that's what I I, I become increasingly uh, concerned with is in the middle of live streams. I'll be like, and and I said this before about the radio shows too. Like I'll get right in front of the decks, hit start streaming. And then I'll be like, what on earth am I doing? Like I have absolutely no idea what I want to play. <laughs> and then like midstream, I'll have that exact same existential crisis. And some of it, as far as I can tell, has to do with that. There's just too much stuff in my collection. Right. Yeah. So, And you need time to, don't you, to, to appreciate records, to, to digest them, to, yes. to, you know, to really learn yeah, them and yeah, study yeah. them and, and when you just get too much, it just, it, you know, yeah, we, we have spoken about this before or I've listened to you talk about it like on, uh, you know, via like a radio show or, or something in the past where you just, I, you know, you've often said, I forgot I had that. Right. You know, and um, it, yeah, you, that's just the worst thing, isn't it? Like we just can't keep up because you're just obsessively buying, but you're just not giving yourself time to appreciate what you're what you're buying. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I, yeah. I, and you know, I'm calling myself out because I just spent two hundred bucks on more record. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Uh, oh um, wow. Well, I ran across a copy of uh Amon Tobin's Two Fingers project on a uh, place where I usually buy records from. And I've right. wanted this record for a long time because it's got okay. one of my all time favorite tracks 
from him. I played it in last month's uh, radio show. Right. Uh, Two Fingers Fool's Rhythm. Right. Oh, my God. It's like the, the best sort of bassy beat track I, I think I've ever heard. Wow. So I finally I found a vinyl copy of that. And while I was at it, I was just like, well, there's a bunch of stuff that I, I was looking at. Like I didn't pick up uh, for whatever reason, I didn't pick up Sam Gendel's record this year. So I picked that one okay. up and a bunch of other stuff. So I, I wonder if after listening to it, it's going to retroactively go on my end of the year list. I think it probably has a pretty good chance. Oh gosh, I was gonna say something about that, but it's gone blank. Oh, the the, the Gendel record is called. Um, uh, I, I wish I had it right in front of me. It's like it's just across the room. It's yeah, don't worry, that's okay. okay. I'll look it up. I've got it as well, and it's like oh, freaking oh, actually, oh it's gone blank. Be, hold on, it's, it should be in most recent order that I did. I got my ah, fresh bread. Right. Oh. Yeah, my memory's getting to shot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Okay. These things happen. You didn't spend two hundred dollars on that one record, though. Did no, you? no, 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 no. Not I the Gendel. Okay. I just spent two hundred bucks on a bunch of records. Okay, good. Because I've been, <laughs> uh, was like I said before, since the majority of the stuff that I'm buying these days, I'm under the impression that I'm going to be using it for live streams. And one thing that I've found makes uh, DJ sets so much more fun is uh, the, the amount of really great hip hop edits that are out there. Right. Uh, through labels like I uh, did that show with Dusty Donuts, or I played a right. bunch of Dusty Donuts tracks. Like their stuff is by far the most DJ friendly that I've found. Like now I have 15 or so. I, uh, the two times that I played out this year, I would throw their tracks on and they're always head turners. Brilliant. Specifically, they did uh, a remix of the, uh, oh, shoot, oh, Ray, the Ray Charles version of the Kanye West sample that he used for Gold Digger. Oh, for Gold Digger, right, yeah. But, but they kept the drums in from Gold Digger, mm. but took out Kanye West's ver- verse and just put in Ray Charles. Okay. So it's the Ray Char- the original Ray Charles vocals with the Kanye West drums. Uh, okay, so it's not a Gold Digger remix though. It's no, a remix no, no, of no, Ray no. Charles's. Yes, okay. which whatever wow. the, that original track is. And right. it, it's just it's so stupid. It's so brilliant. I absolutely love it. And then on the flip of that, I don't think I played it in that dust. No, I did. Uh, that Dusty Donuts. They did a recreation of a obscure unreleased Dilla track using the, what is that, Frank Cunamondo trio's cover of Nina Simone's Feeling Good. And the uh, House Shoes, good friend of Jay Dilla, was talking about this track for the longest time, said that the only version recorded anywhere was on an old VHS that he had of Slum Village doing a show. And just that little snippet of that track always made me think that it was probably one of the most brilliant uh, unreleased Dilla tracks out there. And Mm. based on that, 
these guys did their own sort of recreation of that track and i'd say they did a pretty faithful job to it oh brilliant wow wow see i'm already getting a long list of things to look up to just look up just from following this conversation yeah no i i'd recommend like just uh keep an eye on anything that uh dusty donuts does and then from that you just sort of look around at well this artist has done this for this label and then it gets it expands you end up looking in your wallet and realizing that you don't have any money anymore (laughs) because you're spending it all (laughs) on records your wife's getting mad at you threatening to leave and no no okay (laughs) that hasn't happened has it no 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 just (laughs) thank goodness have you managed to sway her from her edm at all yeah i I think she's kind of going back to her uh childhood uh favorite uh what you say j-rock sort of stuff like asian kung fu generation and stuff like that okay okay so so, yeah no no she's kind of out of her edm phase and i think also again sort of this same sort of converging stories is she doesn't have anyone to like really bounce music off anymore her idm friends are basically gone for better or worse but is she is she passionate about what she listens to or is it just no, like no. well uh, you, you, you'd be surprised i think she actually listens to music around the house more than i do okay i usually listen to most of my music in transit right yeah, yeah me too i used to commute yeah, uh, to and from work and stuff. Yeah, but like she actually listens to music around the house. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe she should start a YouTube channel. <laughs> She's never appeared in one of your videos. Has she, she is extremely camera shy. Ah, oh. I tried to get her to come on one of the uh, live streams recently, and she's like, "I don't want to be seen on the internet." Right. No, no, actually, her her uh, her exact words was, I don't want to be famous. I was like, <laughs> OK, oh God, that's well, brilliant. Well, I, 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 I don't know if that was a backhanded compliment or not, but I'll take it. <laughs> that is excellent. It could, wow. You made it, dude. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's brilliant. No, she's perfect... actually been uh i try to poke and prod people to uh chat in the uh the twitch live streams because it, it does actually help the algorithm if people are watching and chatting it helps show that there's uh interaction going on mm. and that's what uh the twitch algorithm is looking for and so ayako will pop pop into the chat every now and then ayako is right. my wife unfortunately mm-hmm. my friends who watch are usually usually doing it silently and i was like hey guys can, can you help me out glad that you're <laughs> watching but make that little extra step yeah but no oh well. come on eric <laughs> exactly <laughs> i give him shit all the time you, you're more than well you don't even know him but please give him i don't give, know <laughs> give him all kinds of shit is he a big guy should i not no 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 no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm gonna stop. I, I'm gonna stop before I go on a tear. On yeah, him. yeah. I, I go, I'm gonna edit all of this out. I, I okay. mean, no disrespect to Eric. Yeah. <laughs> did you listen um, to? Uh, did you listen to when there's love around? 
the the Kiefer album that came out this year? No, no, I haven't. No, I'm no. I'm kind of surprised. I think that would be right up your alley. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. And you of it, and and you you're a big Kiefer fan, right? You've been playing his stuff on, on yeah, the shows I mean, for a really long time. Yeah, I, I always thought like Kiefer's music was sort of like ready made for sort of like chill hop live stream sort of sessions. But I, I think when there's love around is definitely like him sort of progressing as a musician and like him playing with a live band really sort of separates him like his music into two different paths where he's got like the more hip-hop oriented stuff and now he's got the the more band oriented stuff so but if you liked the idea of Kiefer playing with a band I I think you really dig this project I really really liked it which is funny because my uh, my old podcasting buddy shout outs to Tom uh didn't like the album at all he said it was basically wallpaper music oh god brutal but i i think we're since we're we're no longer in the the same territory we can't really like sort of butt heads as much as we used to <laughs> so oh, i see that the very different reviews that would be interesting I yeah no i i'd the... love to uh i'd love to sort of convince him to go back and listen to it because i i was originally under the impression that he was right and then the more i listened to it i was like no actually there's some really bl- uh brilliant flourishes mm. but what one of the things i've always really liked about Kiefer's music is it's always agreeable in the sense that like when I can't think of anything that I want to listen to, I can always throw on a Kiefer project and be like, yep, right. this works perfectly. <laughs> and in that regard, sure, it's kind of wallpapery, but it's very it's very pleasant wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's like overhyped wallpaper. <laughs> Yusuf Kamal. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. I'm not too well versed on Kiefer at all, but other than what I hear on your shows and stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's got. A, I imagine quite a, an extensive body of work as well, right? Right now, yeah, he's got the one album on Leaving Records, the two full lengths on Stone's Throw, and now the two EPs on Stone's Throw as well. Three EPs mm. on Stone's Throw. So yeah, the, he's been pretty prolific. Mm. up until this are you a point. fan of stone's throw at the moment I, I i think this year was probably the best year that stone's throws had in a long time wow they they the, there's still that one i think it's john kirby do you know what i'm talking about john john carroll kirby yeah. yes i i still haven't heard that album i heard it was absolutely brilliant yeah he's the uh the uh, pianist isn't he i um, think so yeah yeah it's yeah it's a very mm, interesting record <laughs> Uh, I, I think he's got two actually with with Stone Throw. If I remember right, correctly. yeah, he's got the one that came out I think last year, which is his face plastered on the cover. Yes, that's right. And then the other one looks like it, it's sort of like a leaving the atmosphere of Earth, sort of going into space, sort of picture. Right, I don't think I've heard that one. I've yeah, heard that one. one that one I'm really curious about because it seemed right. like it was John Kirby really doing a. Uh, sort of jazz project then that was right up my alley right 
he had um you know it's really interesting do, do you remember that uh charles and eddie would i lie to you no i'm not, I'm not sure song like from the 90s like it was a it was a pop song it was, uh, two american guys uh, and it was quite big over here um uh, it was yeah number one like uk charts for, for a couple of weeks or whatever uh, really if you know you not heard would i lie to you i, I mean um, it's probably one of those songs that if i heard it i would know it but, yes uh, i'm gonna resist sort of falls into the, like the elo camp like right, okay. i know it but i didn't know that it was elo <laughs> right well he well this will mean nothing then but uh eddie i believe from the charles and eddie duo uh, again this is from like early mid 90s they they had a like a one-hit wonder with uh would i lie to you and it's such a great r&b kind of pop record um but yeah uh, john kirby produced his record from oh, like okay. last year i think and it was like wow like amazing after all those years right he's kind of came back with a with a you know one of the i think it was eddie um of the of the two yeah so carol kirby kind of uh produced his record i see um uh so yeah he kind of yeah he gets in he gets in work he's had some high profile uh collaborations though like he's served as i think he's had some stuff with solange knowles as well actually yes, i think that was yeah like how i think that's how uh stone's throw was really trying to sell him is right. with, with his uh collaborations with uh solange knowles right but, it's funny to see Stones, though, how they've evolved, isn't it, from those early Madlib days? And yeah, I, it seems like a lot of these sort of now, I guess you'd call them like legacy record labels, like Warp, mm. Ninja Tune, Stones Throw, that sort of all put into the the same sort of territory. How uh, they they've gone through, you know, their focused and focused early initial period then had like a bit of a lull period and seemingly like now they're out on the other end of that lull period and they're back to being inspired but completely different from where they started mm. well they lost their anchor right ultimately wasn't it so um well went to a down I mean, that, you, you want to talk about like the uh you, you want to talk about a good gossipy breakup story the one that like still nobody knows except for like the the real internal people there mm. we still don't know what happened between madlib egon and peter butter wolf yeah. and uh madlib you know he's already infamous infamously cagey but it kind of got brought up with that interview that he and Egon did with Giles Peterson maybe two years ago. And as soon as the, the conversation was bro broached, it was like, we refused to comment on this. Wow. So I don't know what happened, but it sounds bad. Yeah. That's a, yeah, difficult all around, isn't it? I wonder yeah. if he, I don't know, well. It must be difficult for him because obviously he's very much his music is the face of the label initially. Yeah, I mean you know, he, he was the staple artist of yeah. Stonestone for the longest time. Mm. But I mean, they seemingly have bounced back. Mind Design has become like uh, a staple artist for them. His Rare Pleasures album has a lot of potential i really really yeah. hope that if he decides to do another project like this that it's not so bogged down with so many interludes god drove <laughs> drove me nuts 
Because <laughs> it has probably my favorite song of the year. But, yes, maybe saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that is probably my favorite song of the year. Amazing. And it has all the right elements. It's just missing. Uh, it just feels incomplete. And I think if it, I think if it were a bit more of a complete album, I probably would enjoy it more. Right, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, then there was the Apifra project. The, yeah, uh, the Rejoice Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. At the very least, you know, maybe they're not you know, classic projects at this point, but at least Stone's Throw is putting out interesting music. Sure. Yeah. I definitely. A te- mm. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, no, was going to say that there is a sort of a, a, a tendency for them to kind of lean towards more a, a very Los Angeles kind of uh, poppy soul at times mm-hmm. uh, as well, which is, you know, which is fine. It's, it's just sometimes when you see like, like the Carol Kirby thing, it's kind of like, wow, that, that's a Stone's Throw record. You know, um, and that, that, yeah, so something like that kind of blows your mind as to how the labels evolve. But there was the Sudan Archives uh, project, which was another brilliant one. Uh, I was a big fan of that record. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, they, yeah, they do hit from all angles at the moment, don't they? Yeah, I think they've done a, a pretty good job of sort of evolving at the times, but still sort of managing to carve out a uh unique identity for themselves Mm. and that never quite because i think most people associate stone's throw with a lot of the the sort of mad lib uh, dj babu duck breaks sort of stuff but often forget like you know there was the uh the baron what whatchamacallit peanut butter wolf putting out like his bizarre like nobody wants to listen to this quirky (laughs) projects right and a whole bunch of other artists like pyramid vitra like the really obscure artists that like nobody asked for this and seemingly (laughs) they've moved beyond that phase and actually put out stuff that appeals to people more people than just peanut butter wolf himself yeah and on that note, I mean, shout out to Madly, but like obviously his his label, I mean, what more than three quarters of it is his own releases. But then he went and nabbed Heliocentrics yes. as well for like a couple of albums. And it's like, wow, what an amazing coup that was. I, I went back and listened to an album. I think it came out at the tail end of 2020. And that was the, the Malcolm Cotto collaboration with Little Barry, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. And I completely forgot how brilliant that album is. Right. Let's see if I can find that real quick. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Quarter Mass Seven was what it right. was called. Yeah. 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 Wow. Gosh, it's been a while for that one. Yeah. Helios. I always do that. Heliocentrics is Malcolm Cotto. And what is the former. Uh, the uh, poets of rhythm. Oh uh, right, yeah, yeah. Who who is who, what's his project now? I mean, he's got a million projects going at at all times, but 
But didn't they? Wasn't that the Whitefield Brothers as well? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, uh, was there white... was like two records for Whitefield Brothers, but I don't, that doesn't exist anymore. Right and now, um, he's on. He's got like one central project, but for whatever reason, in my head, I get the heliocentrics and whatever he's doing. Okay, uh, sort of mixed up in my head, even though I know they're not the same. Not the same person. I'm trying to think, actually, have they been on? I think that was also. I think funny you should say that because they've actually I think they've appeared on a couple of records together as well of like there was the there's a Russian funk band called the Soul Surfers right yeah no, and, I know um, about them too yeah and I think they got tracks with uh, there's like two tracks with Malcolm Carto and I forgot the guy's name is it uh uh it's Whitfield isn't it um oh I'd have to look it up and it, it, it's yeah. frustrating too because I did a video about one of my uh favorite funk tracks called salt oh i love that yeah yeah and uh one of the things that i found out was he was responsible the one of the members of the poets of rhythm was responsible for bringing making that track more well known so he had found it i think in uh, a record store in texas in louisiana and like it, they had this huge stockpile of them of that record and he bought as many as he could brought them back to germany and started really? passing them out to people it's like you need to hear this this is like one of the funkiest songs you've ever heard and then he tried going back to the same record store a year late year or so later and it, it turned out that the uh, the record store owner just sort of threw all these records away because he, he didn't think that anybody actually wanted them. Oh, no. So, like, he's yeah, been, uh, he, he, I think, sort of came up in the same sort of circles as, like, Cut Chemist, DJ Shadow, probably, uh, you know, like, James Lavelle, Uncle pretty sure like all those guys were like all in the same sort of circles and it was interesting to hear that that uh guy whose name escapes me at the moment i think it's like jan something i think it's jade i just looked it up so that soul surfers record i told you about mm -hmm. um it, they it's i think it's jj whitefield and it, yeah there's two tracks funny you should mention like uh, malcolm carto because there's two tracks where they do appear together oh so okay. you've got a raw and stop fooling around and both feature jj whitefield of the poets of rhythm and malcolm carto of heliocentric okay, that's so bizarre so you mix them my, up and they've yeah. yeah it's not just my dementia addled brain no no not at all. Two things up. yeah they have actually they, they do appear on records together so yeah interesting Oh, no, yeah, I have the JJ Whitefield, uh, his the Whitefield Brothers records. I have uh, the Earthology record and uh, the In the Raw, uh, which yeah, gosh, that's a few years ago now. Uh, those two, but uh, but yeah, I don't know what what his current project is, as you mentioned. Yeah, I, I know it's right on the tip of my tongue, but uh, all, the only thing that keeps coming to mind is like the Wood, the Whitefield Brothers and the Heliocentrics. Mm. Did you ever hear that Heliocentrics project? that they did with uh oh shoot I, his name's gonna escape me uh Mavin, marvin was that melvin i always forget the father of the son melvin van peebles oh van peebles no i didn't was it a good record no I, i've always been interested in checking it ah. out 
No, no, I haven't. No. That, that that was that was always a really really interesting story. If you uh, know the history of how they came to uh, came to collaborating. Oh, okay. No, I. Oh, I you, oh, you I didn't know about that. this story? No, 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 no. So, long story short, on "Come on Feet" for Quasimodo off of the Unseen, right? Sampled uh, Melvin Van Peebles, and he got pissed at him. <laughs> it's like you can't sample my music. And what ended up happening was through the business acumen of Egon, he started working with him, and he's like, "Hey, look, we want to license your music, so we don't want to." you know offend you in the future so we can keep this track out there and through some negotiation they managed to work they managed to work something out i think uh egon manages or was managing some of uh melvin van peebles's licensing to make sure that he was getting the most royalties that he possibly could right and also making it uh making it available so anyone who wanted to sample them could uh use use it any if madlib wanted to sample them again he could use his music in the future right so that and that's kind of like one of the interesting uh stories that or details about now again that most people don't know is that now again was started as a label for egon to Find obscure music that he could mm. license so Madlib could sample it. I did not know that. That's really interesting. Is it, isn't that really crazy? Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So that that's how they <laughs> sort of made, worked their way around a lot of the uh, sort of like sampling issues that you would normally run into when you're using other people's music. But what, what's really cool about this, as far as I know, is Egon is really, really good at making sure that uh, artists get paid what they are supposed to. And right. I think this is like one of the arguments, of, in my opinion, that makes uh, reissues uh, completely worth picking up is if you buy an old record secondhand, well, the money is only the revenue is only going to the the record store, or whatever. Sure. But yeah, if you're buying, you buy it from, yeah. but if you're buying a reissue, specifically if you're buying a reissue from the website where they go through the process of properly licensing the music and everything like that, more often you're supporting that artist by buying the reissue more so than you would yes. be buying the record secondhand. Yeah. But uh, sure, don't tell that, that to any of the sense. purists out there. They don't care. <laughs> All the hunters out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm invading your your day. What will you, What do you have planned? Either you're, what are we approaching, like 11? Yeah, no, it's about 11 o'clock. I don't know. Yeah. I was going to meet up with some friends probably a little bit later, maybe hit the gym. I got to go through these records that I picked up. I've had them for yeah. a day or so, and I haven't touched them at all yet. I've just been out of the house. So... I'm going to go oh. through that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe start working on. Maybe start working on something. I really, really want to do uh, a 20th anniversary review, or not review, but just sort of video on uh, DJ Shadow and Cut Chemist's product placement. Oh wow! Wicked. That came out on the uh, 
that it came that that celebrated its 20th anniversary yeah well and i also want to make sure that i'm mindful of your time too because it's got to be getting on to like one two o'clock in the morning right now two o'clock in the morning yeah yeah sorry man no no this is a pleasure i'm usually up for a couple more hours so yeah no, this is totally fine uh it's always uh always awesome to hang with you i i, I was sort of ho- hoping it would go this long because it's been ages yeah no so, i um, really appreciated this conversation is it's very 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 much i can feel the creative juices sort of coming back after the malaise uh, <laughs> oh, of being talking around you know normal people for the longest time <laughs> anonymous i'm, I'm honored <laughs> yeah it's it's it is great to kind of share stuff like this with people and so hopefully we won't leave it so long mm-hmm. uh, until we get to do it again um but yeah thank you so much for your time I, again always a pleasure oh no no just, thank, just thank you out. i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that i uh i'm glad that we were able to make this work out because I, I definitely miss miss having these uh nerdy musical conversations oh brilliant well i'll definitely hold you to that and we'll we'll be doing it a lot more sooner uh which will be uh, an absolute pleasure um we mentioned as usual we have a closing song for our guest who who, who sends uh listeners home super happy did you have a moment to to kind of i threw it on you very last minute (laughs) but uh did you uh, have a moment to pick something out for people to go home and uh listen to at their leisure sure i i think just because I stated multiple times, it's, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe go with an obscure pick, but nah, screw it. I'm going to go with my favorite song of the year. And my track selection for today is uh, Mind Designs, uh, Hope You're Doing Better. Brilliant. I, think, I think it's a great song. I mean, it was a song that I, I, I thought was very, very helpful, very, very useful for the majority of the bleakness and sameness of 2021 yeah and i i, I like the how good are we we didn't even discuss that which is pretty good <laughs> we didn't even go get into all that stuff Dude, we, we gotta stop proud. chasing each other's tangents man <laughs> <laughs> i think we did very well not to get not to get bogged down in the whole how's your quarantine it's really bad well no, um, no i i try i made a considerable effort to not do that because i i think i've gone okay, down okay. a rabbit hole where like it would just completely derail any conversation <laughs> any normal <laughs> civil conversation would be like completely destroyed if we went down that rabbit hole so yeah i, I i've made a well, i made a conscious effort to avoid talking about that shrewdly done my friend thank shrewdly you done
Frage. 